0: Welcome back to our study of the doctrine of the Trinity. We saw last time that yes, Jesus did in fact claim to be God. We looked at his own words where he claimed to be God and we looked at his works where he did things that only God could do, also demonstrating that he is God. This time we're going to look at what the apostles themselves say about Jesus. Do the apostles say that jesus is god and we're going to look at the words of three apostles in particular the apostle john the apostle paul and the apostle peter and we start with perhaps the most famous passage about uh, jesus being god the son of god being fully divine and that is in the gospel of john chapter one and in the opening words of john's gospel john says in the beginning was the word and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now he goes on later to say, that Word took on flesh and dwelt among us. So he's talking there about Jesus. The Word took on flesh, was born of the Virgin Mary, and so on. That's Jesus. But before he took on flesh, he was there in the beginning. He was in the beginning with God, and he was was god so he was not merely like god he was not merely uh, near to god but he was himself god he is distinct from god the father he was with god that is with god the father but he himself also is god is fully and totally divine and as god he has always existed that's why he was already there in the beginning in the beginning he was with god and he was god was he created no john goes on to say he was in the beginning with god all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made so everything that was made was made through the word which means that the word was not made which of course is makes perfect sense because God can't be created and John just told us that the word was God. But in case there was any doubt, right? he makes sure that we understand that everything was created through him. There was nothing that was created apart from him. He is God. He is not created. He is not a creature. He is fully eternally divine. He is God who came and took on flesh. Then in the book of Revelation, which was also written by the Apostle John, John shows us, tells us about a vision that he received uh, of the heavenly throne room in Revelation 4 and 5. And in this throne room, he sees the throne of God where the Father is seated, and he sees a lamb standing as though it had been slain. That's Jesus who's been crucified and raised from the dead. And notice what John tells us about what he sees and hears in this vision about this lamb. He says, then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Now, let's pause there for just a minute. Notice, first of all, he is saying that this lamb, right the son of God, Jesus, this lamb is worthy, right? This lamb is being worshiped, and he's worthy to receive, and then he lists seven terms, power, wealth, wisdom, might, honor, glory, and blessing. Now, in the book of Revelation, the number seven symbolizes completeness just like in the beginning god created the earth in six days and then rested on the seventh and that makes one week one full week right the number seven represents fullness represents completion so by ascribing these seven terms to jesus or saying that he's worthy of receiving these seven things it's saying that the lamb is worthy of all blessing right of all uh praise or all honor he's worthy of receiving all of these things not he's, he's not worthy of of uh half worship right or a pseudo worship or sort of half of what we would give to god or maybe even most of what we would give to god no he is worthy of everything of every good thing everything we would give to god ascribe to god everything that god is worthy of the lamb is worthy of and if that wasn't clear from those verses he goes on and says and i heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. So, the one who sits on the throne, that's God the Father, and the Lamb are being, that's Jesus, they are being worshiped together. To him who sits on the throne, God the Father, and to the Lamb, Jesus, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. So, He's worshipped with the Father, alongside the Father. As the same things are ascribed to Him as the Father, or uh, said to, to belong to Him, or the things that we should give to Him. The same things as are given to the Father. So, John paints a picture for us, describes a vision, a heavenly vision for us, of Jesus being worshipped as God. In Revelation chapter 5 and in John chapter 1 he told us in very plain terms that the Word who took on flesh we know him as Jesus right the Word who's the Son of God he is God right now so that's what John says what about the Apostle Paul does the Apostle Paul ever come out and say that Jesus is God well he does one place is in Romans chapter 9 verse 5 and in this passage uh, Paul is talking about the privilege of the Jews the, the privileges that the Jews received and he said to them belong the patriarchs and from their race according to the flesh is the Christ who is God over all blessed forever. Amen. So what he's saying is that the Messiah, the Christ, the promised one, that's Jesus. He was born according to the flesh from the Jews. But he also says that this Christ, this Messiah, Jesus, is God over all. So yes, Paul says Jesus is God. He was, you know, according to the flesh, in his, uh, when he was born of the virgin, he, he was born uh, from the Jews. Mary was a Jew but that's not the whole story he's also God overall he's God in the flesh God who came and was born of the virgin and was born from David's line but he's not just a man from David's line right he is the God man he is God who came and took on flesh so yes he says Jesus is God. In 1 Corinthians 8, 6, he says, Yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. Now, somebody might say, well, that doesn't sound like Jesus is God. In fact, that kind of sounds like the opposite, because he says in the first half of that verse that there's one God, and that's the Father. So isn't that... End of story, Jesus can't be God, because there's one God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist. Jesus sounds like he's like God, but not quite God, when Paul says, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. But that would be a misunderstanding of what Paul is saying. Paul, when Paul says there's one God, the Father, he's not ruling out that Jesus is God. He's acknowledging there is one God, right? There is one God. But when he talks about Jesus, the one Lord, Jesus Christ, he talks about him in divine terms as well. Notice he says about the Father that all things are from him and all things exist for him. And when he talks about Jesus, the Lord, he says all things are through him and we exist through him now is would that be true if jesus was something less than god no think about what john just told us that in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god and all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made so for paul to say that all things are through the lord jesus and all things exist through jesus is not to rule out does that does not rule out the truth that jesus is god in fact one of the church fathers uh, basil of caesarea says about this verse the apostle speaks thus this way not to introduce a difference in nature between the father and the one lord jesus christ not to introduce a difference in nature, but to establish the unconfused conception of the Father and the Son. In other words, what he means is, he distinguishes the Father and the Son so we don't confuse them, so we don't just sort of flatten them out as though they were one person, instead of distinct persons, the Father and the Son. The Father's not the Son, the Son's not the Father. So he says what Paul is doing is, is he's uh, ho- upholding the distinction between the Father and the Son. But he's not trying to say that the Father and the Son are totally different from one another, as though one is God and the other is not. That's not what he's saying at all. In fact, in Philippians chapter 2, another passage where Paul talks about the deity of the Son, in Philippians 2, 6, and 7, he's talking about Jesus again, and he says, "...who, though he was in the form of God..." did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. He says that Jesus was in the form of God, and that doesn't mean, like it might sound to us, like the form of God sounds like almost God, kind of like God, or even a lot like God, but maybe not actually God. That may be how it strikes us at first, but that's not what Paul means when he says this. Because look what he says next. He says, though he was in the form of God, does that mean he was God or was like God? Though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. In other words, he was equal with god that's what it meant for him to be in the form of god he was equal with god but he didn't hang on to all the privileges that come with being equal with god but instead it says he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men so he was in the form of god he was equal with god and yet he didn't cling to all the privileges that came with that but instead took on flesh, took the form of a servant, was born in the likeness of men. So he came and was born as a man, but before that, he was in the form of God, had full the full equality of God, Right? he was fully equal with God. And he didn't lose that when he took on flesh and was born as a man. He simply humbled himself and added to himself humanity, while keeping, right, maintaining his full deity, his full equality with God. So uh, Paul affirms, again, Romans 9, that Jesus is God. Uh, we see him talk about this in 1 Corinthians 8, 6, Philippians 2, 6, and 7. One more passage from Paul. Colossians 1:15 to 17. He says about Jesus, He is the image of the invisible God. And so God is invisible, but Jesus is the image of God. Again, does that mean he is God, or does that mean he's somehow less than God? Well, let's keep reading. He's also, he also says he's the firstborn of all creation. And then he says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Now, can that be said of anyone who's not God? Absolutely not. Everything was created not only through him, Paul says, but everything was created for him. Who was everything created for? Everything was created for God. When Paul says that he's the image of the invisible God, what he means is that uh, Jesus is God made visible, so to speak. Jesus is the image of God. Uh, The writer of Hebrews says um, says something like, He's the exact imprint of His nature. Jesus is God. He's God in the flesh. He's the creator. Everything was created through him, by him, for him. He's distinct from the Father. That's what this language is trying to communicate, right? He's the image of God. Um, I think, again, Hebrews uses the word radiance. He's the radiance of the glory of God, right? He reveals God to us, right? Not because He's less than God but he's able to reveal God to us because he is God. He can be the, the full image of God because he is himself God. So Paul says that Jesus is God. John says that Jesus is God. Finally and briefly, the apostle Peter in 2 Peter 1.1 is the beginning of his letter. And he says, Simeon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours, by the righteousness of our god and savior jesus christ it's very subtle but notice that the righteousness of our god and savior jesus christ who what does he say about jesus he's our savior and he's our god he just puts those two together those are both true descriptions of jesus he's our savior and he is our god so jesus claimed to be god jesus demonstrated by his works that he was God the apostles bear witness in their writings they testify that Jesus is God though distinct from the Father right the Son is nonetheless fully truly divine fully truly God now how is that possible how is it possible for Jesus to be both the son of god and be eternally god does being the son imply some kind of beginning right next time what we will talk about is how jesus the son of god or how the son of god can be called son and still be eternal because he is eternal he is eternally god he is god and god is by definition eternal so next time we'll talk about how the son the son of god can also be and is eternally god i look forward to discussing that with you talking about talking about that with you in our next session lord willing until then God bless.